Welcome to the radio ministry of Cedar Grove United Methodist Church. May God fill you and transform you through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now for some music and then Pastor Brian Bowling.
gospel reading this morning is from the Gospel of John, the 20th, the 20th chapter. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them. And he said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you've seen, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It was an interesting day. You know, all day long, wild rumors had been flying. Mary had seen Jesus alive again. Peter and John had been to the tomb and it was empty. And as the disciples began to come together, meeting again in that upper room where they'd last been together Thursday evening and ate supper with Jesus, a couple of more disciples came running into the meeting, claiming that they had been walking to Emmaus with Jesus, not recognizing him until he broke bread with them at an inn for dinner. They made sure the doors were locked. Who knew if the temple guards or the Roman soldiers were looking for them, ready to round them up and execute them just as they had executed Jesus on Friday. And so the disciples whispered with each other, some adamant that Jesus was alive and others just not believing. And then he was there. He stood among them and said, peace be with you. And he showed them the holes in his hands from the nails and the larger hole in his side where the Roman soldier had stuck that spear in his side, the hole from which gushed, poured out blood and water as the spear nicked the lungs and the heart sack and the contents just gushed out. But these wounds were already healing and Jesus was not woozy or unsteady, but he looked great. 
And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw him. And he spoke to them. Jesus spoke again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. They would spread his message of God's love and forgiveness. The story of his life, the story of his teachings, his death, and now they would talk about his resurrection, which proved that he was indeed God's son as he had claimed so many times before. And then he did something very unusual. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, in the languages of that time and that place, breath and spirit and even wind were the same word. So he said, receive the holy breath. And then he told them this remarkable thing. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. You know, it was still more than a month until Pentecost would come and the Holy Spirit would be poured out on hundreds of believers. But it is clear from this short little encounter between Jesus and his disciples that the Holy Spirit and the ability to truly forgive sins are deeply linked and a part of what is meant to be a disciple of Jesus. Have you ever thought about the tremendous power that the Holy Spirit gives us? Have you ever thought about that the Holy Spirit gives us the power to change the world around us? How many times have we run into people who are deeply ashamed of their sinful past? How many times have we met with people who have hurt others who have disobeyed God, who have terribly injured themselves because they have not been obedient to God all the time. And what do we do most of the time? We turn away. We unfriend the person. We keep our children from them. We become people that whisper as they pass by, do you know what they've done? We become people who do not forgive In fact, we even spread word of our former friends' failings through gossip, through making them examples, bad examples for our children. We speak in hush, disapproving tones about what our former friend did wrong. And we have never realized that God walking upon the earth, Jesus Christ, gave the followers of Christ the ability to forgive sins or not forgive sins. How can we forgive sins? Isn't that something that only God alone can do? After all, God is the one whom sins offend. For it's God to whom we are disobedient when we sin. It's God's creatures that we harm by our sins. God's children who are most injured, the descendants of Adam and Eve. How can mere people Forgive sins. Well, this idea that, you know, there's something really weird here if you say you forgive sins, that was recognized by the people that Jesus met. In Matthew 9, Jesus encountered a paralyzed man lying on a mat. His friends brought him to Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. 
And some of the teachers of the law said that this was blaspheming because he, a mere man, was forgiving sins. Then he said to them, Jesus said to them, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And again, in Luke, Jesus forgives a sinful woman who's been washing his feet with her tears and hair. And Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And then the guests began to ask, who is this who even forgives sins? It was not something that people did. But now on the afternoon of the resurrection, there was no doubt that Jesus was the Son of God, God walking upon the earth. And so when he breathed the Holy Spirit, the holy breath onto the disciples and told them that they had the power to forgive or not to forgive, the followers of Christ, all the followers of Christ who have the Holy Spirit gained this tremendous power. For you see, if we forgive a man's sins, if we forgive perhaps the damage he's done to others through his addiction, he can begin to heal. If we do not forgive him, he cannot yet heal. If we forgive a woman for the harsh, nasty things she has said in the past, then she does not have to keep her guard up. She does not have to always be ready to fight at the drop of a hat. She can relax a bit, and she can begin to heal. And if we do not forgive her, if we don't forgive her, she'll always be ready to fight and defend herself when she sees us. If we forgive a parent or forgive a child for the past, for the years of wrongs done to us, and tell that other of the forgiveness, then perhaps some healing can happen in our relationships, and the anger can just fade away. But if we do not forgive our parent or child, then the trouble will always be there, ready to spew forth like acid from each other's mouth. Forgiveness begins also to heal ourselves and then the world around us. True forgiveness is this self-healing process which starts with you and then extends to everybody else you know. And it's this forgiveness that the followers of Christ can give or not give that largely determines whether someone is willing or even eager to come to know the love of Christ or whether the person is filled with anger and hatred toward all Christians. We have the power to forgive or not forgive. Jesus gave gave it to us on the evening of the resurrection, but we don't talk about it much. The power to forgive, you see, is a power to give new life to a person, a relationship, or an eternal power to bring people to a new relationship with God. And if you are a baptized believer in Jesus Christ, you've received the Holy Spirit. And that means that you have the power to forgive or not to forgive. And so the next time, the next time you see someone who is upset about the damage that they have done to others, to relationships, to themselves, or to you, you can say to them, I forgive you for what you've done. You're forgiven. And I know that God forgives all things. We just need to ask. So you can say to the person, let me help you ask. Just repeat this simple prayer line by line after me. You say with them, Holy God, 
I'm sorry for what I've done. Please forgive me. Amen. It's not, more, it's not complicated. And now you can say to them, I'm certain that God forgives you, and I already have forgiven you, and then let the healing begin. Thomas, the disciple, whose name means twin, wasn't there in the room that night. Where was Thomas? I, we just don't know. Except that he was still in Jerusalem sometime over the next week when some of the other disciples found him. They told him that they had seen the Lord. But Thomas wasn't ready to believe. Why? Well, maybe as young men do, they had played one too many practical jokes on him and he wasn't falling for what would have been a cruel joke. Or perhaps he felt guilty because more than any of the other ones, Thomas had predicted back while they were waiting for Lazarus to die that Jesus would die in Jerusalem and maybe the rest of the disciples too. Or perhaps Thomas, Thomas he felt guilty because he'd gone to ground during the arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane and hid in himself. Maybe he'd spent the weekend with too much wine and he was ashamed. Who knows? What would the other disciples, and more importantly, what would Jesus do when, when and if he did see him? Would Jesus forgive Thomas for not believing? Would the disciples forgive him? But they were able to talk him into coming with, to be with them the next Sunday, even though Thomas said he would not believe and he was adamant about it. He insisted that he, wouldn't, he would need to stick his finger in the holes where the nails had been and put his hand into Jesus' side where the spear had made the hole before he would believe. He was definite and determined. And then he went and Jesus appeared and he spoke directly to Thomas, challenging him to put his finger into the nail holes and his hand into the spear hole. And Thomas lost it. He was the first of the disciples to say, My Lord and my God. He probably went down on his knees. And now I want you to look at this situation Jesus could easily have condemned Thomas for not believing. For that matter, he could have condemned the other disciples for not believing until he'd walked into the room last week. Jesus could have said, I don't forgive you. You had your chance and you did not believe. But Jesus forgave him. He gave Thomas another chance. Jesus forgave Thomas and that healed that relationship enough for Thomas to believe. And Thomas became one of the most effective of all the apostles, where other apostles stayed safely in the areas where many Jews lived, like Turkey and Greece and Rome. Thomas traveled a very long distance. According to the very strong tradition of the St. Thomas Christians of southern India, Thomas traveled to the southwest coast of India and landed there in A.D. 52. And he established several churches. Even today, there's a large Christian community that traces its roots to Thomas in Kerala State, the most southwestern part of India. And there are about somewhere between 6 and 10 million church members, depending upon how it's counted. I've met a couple from this church. They were my neighbors in Atlanta. Thomas, indeed, gave eternal life to many, many people throughout the world, in particular in India. A little less well-documented, 
There are ideas that Thomas also traveled to Sri Lanka and Indonesia. There's even a very old legend among the South American Indians of Paraguay that say that Thomas traveled there and taught about Jesus. The strong traditions, though, of the South Indian Christians tell us that Thomas was killed by a spear on a hill outside Chennai, the city formerly known as Madras, and was buried there in 72. Many years later, his remains were removed to Syria and then to the Cathedral of St. Thomas the Apostle in Ortona, Italy. Although his skull is said to be at the Monastery of St. John the Theologian in the Greek island of Patmos. We each know many, many people, and we meet many people every day and every week. Each of those people is struggling with sins that need to be forgiven, and we have the Christ-given power to forgive those sins, to heal the relationships with us, to heal the relationships with God and heal their souls. Why don't we choose to forgive? Why so often do we choose to not forgive? We've known people who supposedly follow Christ who won't forgive a man for wearing a beard or a tat or a woman for not wearing a dress. We know Christians who will not forgive a man or a woman for falling for an addicting drug. We know Christians who will not forgive a harsh word another has said or a joke about their, their children. Yet we also know men and women who have forgiven us of all of our past sins, who have overlooked our ignorance and misdeeds of the past, who reached out to us and hugged us and taught us what it means to have a deep friend, a friend who can introduce us to God. These are the mature Christians of the world. These are the people who truly walk in Jesus' footsteps, forgiving the sins of multitudes of people they encounter. You can be one of them. Will you use the power of forgiveness that Jesus has given us to change the world around us for the better? If you do, if you do this regularly, you'll be known as great in heaven one day. You'll be a true friend of Jesus and a good and faithful servant. For the power of forgiveness is the power to give life in the name of Jesus to many people. Much has been made, you know, of people who temporarily save a life. They're known as lifesavers, they're lifeguards, they're uh, first responders. But I want you to be a person who gives life to others, not just saves it, but gives life. Be a life giver, like Thomas gave life to so many millions of people. Forgive others of their sins and give them life. You can do it. You have the authority. Christ gave it to all who have the Holy Spirit. And if you've been baptized, you have the Holy Spirit.
Cedar Grove United Methodist Church and Pastor Brian Boley would like to thank you for listening to last week's pre-recorded sermon. Join us live this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and on Facebook. We are located on Route 47, a mile and a half east off I-77, just across from WVU Parkersburg campus. Donations may be mailed to Cedar Grove UMC, 168 Old Turnpike Road, Parkersburg, West Virginia, 26104. Or you can text the word GIVE to 1304-244-1903 or visit our website, cedargroveunitedmethodist.org. 
and click on the Give tab. This will bring up a form where you can determine how much you would like to give. Thank you, and God bless you in your life.